Well, as you know, we are in a new sermon series that we're calling Escape. And you know, I find as we move through life, there's a lot of people that feel like they're in prison. They feel confined and they feel trapped. And as we go through life, you're going to encounter many hitches and glitches. You are going to grapple with grief. You're going to struggle with stress. You are going to scuffle with sorrow and a whole multitude of things. And oftentimes it leaves you feeling depleted and defeated. And oftentimes you just become shackled to whatever it might be. You feel bound. You feel like a set of Christmas lights. That's this string of lights in the box that's tangled every year when you pull them out of the box and you just feel like there's no way to get this thing untangled. And so in this series, we're praying for one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to help each other to find freedom in Jesus Christ, to know there is hope in Jesus Christ. And we want to help you escape with faith. Now, we get disappointed by many things in life. Many events disappoint us. Even the weather disappoints us. Uh, I'm grateful for the great weather we have today for our picnic. But you know what often tends to disappoint us? are other people, other people. And Moses was an authority. Moses seems to be the go-to guy in the Bible for how to handle all the cranky people in your life because he was surrounded by them. And we're going to focus today a little bit on how to escape from disappointment. If you're going to make it in life, you've got to learn how to face and overcome disappointment. It's a human thing. And we're all going to face it and our culture, i got to tell you, my hats are off to the marketing people because they are brilliant about exploiting the tendency toward dissatisfaction in us. They know just how to get our attention and get us to buy these products that they have, promising fulfillment. And we get these messages all the time, and it's things like, use me and buy me and eat me and wear me and try me and dry me and Put me in your hair. Do you know I found out there's like 430 different types of shampoos out on the market? 430 shampoos, and they all promise contentment and satisfaction. How content is your hair today? <laughs> and they say, you know, buy me to wash me, condition it, mousse it, curl it, straighten it, wax it, even rogaine it. And i got to tell you, we seem to be the richest, the most well-fed, the best house, healthier generation, the most educated people in all of history. And i just got to ask you, how content are you really? How satisfied are you with your life? How satisfied? How many people here today can honestly say that, you know, I'm satisfied with my body, with my house, with my spouse, with my kids, with my income, with my job, with my walk with God? I mean, how many here maybe could say, you know, I don't have any disappointments in life. Everything is just great. I'm fine with the mobility I found in my career I'm fine with the money that I've saved for retirement. I'm fine with my family, I, everything. I have no disappointment in any way, in any area of my life. You know, in Exodus 14 last week, we saw the exodus out of Egypt 
only by the power and the grace of God. How these people have been enslaved for some 400 years and they managed there in some great powerful way by the, the power of God to escape that prison they were in. But suddenly, delight turned to great distress and they had deep disappointment. Author John Cheever, the U.S. novelist, he writes that the main emotion that the average American feels today is disappointment. And I want to piggyback on that for just a moment because I think the main emotion the average Christian sometimes feel, feels, to borrow that title from Philip Yancey, is disappointment with God. You know, at, at times we are so discontent with life. And we're disappointed with God, and it shows through the grumbling and the whining and the complaining so many times that we often see. We're kind of like Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. We can't get no satisfaction. I have a brief message for you this morning, and that is this. Don't quit. Hang on. Because often when you are most disappointed, it's just a matter of days before things turn around. It's just a matter of a few miles ahead before things all get sorted out. And so what do you do when you're disappointed? Moses was an authority, I think, if you stop and think about it and look at this text, and so many others here, he just knew how to handle disappointment. No one put up with more grumbling and griping than he did. And if he couldn't please everybody and Jesus couldn't please anybody, I just wonder if, if you can think today that you're not going to please everybody either. Complaining was the favorite pastime of these Israelites, and it was the sin that really kept them out of the promised land. And these folks here wouldn't have been happy, uh, you know, no matter what they did. And especially they were quick to criticize Moses. Their philosophy was, when in doubt, criticize the leader. And they questioned his motives, they doubted his decisions, they challenged his control. And really this long track across the desert brought tempers, it brought much thirst to their souls and a lot of weariness. And there was just a bunch of disappointed people out here in the wilderness and in the desert of life. Now one of the things about these Israelites that they kept having a problem with was water, if you notice that. First of all, they had too much water. And they got there to the Red Sea, and the soldiers were hot on their tail, and they didn't want to do it because they had all that water. And then they get out there, and Moses led them south, led them through the water, and then they found out they didn't have enough water. There they are in the desert, and it's just incredibly hot and barren, and there's no water. And then they come here. It says in verse 23, Moses led them through the Red Sea, and they went to the desert of Shur. And... For three days they traveled without water and then they came to Marah and they could not drink the water because it was bitter. In the Hebrew, the name Marah means bitterness and that's what these people found. Again, a problem with water. And they've got three million thirsty people and a million thirsty animals and there's no water to be found anywhere in the desert. And notice it says here in the text, three days. What had happened just three days earlier, they had just come through the Red Sea, had just experienced this incredible liberation and great spiritual victory, and already they were finding themselves in deep disappointment. You know, I want to draw some conclusion out of this text that I found that have been helpful to me 
in my walk of faith, and maybe they will be to you when you face these disappointments in life. And I think we can clearly see it in the lives of these people here. And the first principle is success is often followed by failures. I don't know why it is in ministry oftentimes, you know, you go up the roller coaster and you get to the top and you've just had an incredible event and hundreds of people have come and people have given their life to God. There's been this amazing unity and just three days later, you're going down the other side and you're headed into deep disappointment. Why did God lead them to Mara? Notice what's going on here in verse 25. It says here, it was there that the Lord tested them. You know, sometimes in order to realize the worth of an anchor, you got to feel the stress of the storm. And I believe here in this text, we can demonstrate that there was a little bit of test going on from the Lord. Do you really put your faith in me, you Israelite people? Are you going to surrender to me and allow the Spirit of God, my Holy Spirit, to lead you? God revealed here to the Israelites that God was that anchor. And the message that God wanted them to hear was yet another covenant name of himself, as it says here in this text, Jehovah Rapha, which is Lord is my healer. Now, God's character is revealed in those big crises of life, and oftentimes it's in those little crises of life that our character is revealed. And God showed his power here at the Red Sea, but at Myra, where the water was bitter, it showed what these Israelites were really like in their character. And it said God led them there, and it was a time, it was a test. Now, how many of you have been going through a test recently? I mean, disappointments in a lot of ways in my life have turned out to be tests. A testing from God. Are you really going to be faithful? Are you really going to trust me through this difficult dilemma? Are you really going to allow me to lead? Disappointments, sometimes they're testing of what we are really like on the inside. Notice it doesn't say here, uh, this about their Red Sea experience, but it's only here at this moment where they're at Myra. And the Israelites, they failed the test, and they're griping and grumbling. And what does disappointment, i got to ask you today, really reveal about you? What's your Myra this morning? Now, really, if you stop and think about it, what do we have to complain about after all? As I said, this is no doubt one of the most advanced, uh, the most advanced, perhaps many would argue, generations that have ever lived on the planet. Uh, you know, folks didn't really, they lived without sugar until the 13th century. We didn't have coal fire until the 14th century. We didn't have battered bread until the 15th century. Well, I'm glad I passed that. There was no potatoes until the 16th century. We lived without coffee, tea, and soup until the 17th century, without pudding until the 18th century. We didn't have eggs, matches, and electricity until the 19th century, and we were without canned goods until the 20th century. What is there to complain about? Your Mara, though, is anything that dissatisfies you. It's that thing that once was sweet but has turned to bitterness. Maybe it's a job that started off great. You had a great boss and everything was going good and all of a sudden it became monotonous. Things shifted and changed or you had a coworker that just drove you crazy. 
Or maybe it's a relationship. You've fallen in love and things are great for the first few years. And, and then there's kids and then there's stress and then there's financial woes. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel too good. Things just don't turn out too well in this white picket fence type of world. Or maybe there's any other kind of problem out there that just didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. What is your Myra this morning? You know, great successes in life are often followed by failure, and everyone that gets to the throne, somebody said, must put their foot upon a thorn. The way to the crown, I remind you today, was through the cross. And you must taste the fall sometimes if you're going to taste the glory. And when justified by faith, God brought the Israelites here through the Red Sea and then into the wilderness and God finally provides for them as we go on to see in this text. Another lesson I would tell you today that I found is that service sometimes is often followed by forgetfulness. Now it says in verse 24, so the people here grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And boy, Israel here has a short memory. These Israelites couldn't remember what happened just a couple of days before. What happened? It was the Red Sea and three days later they forgotten it. Isn't that typical in life? Isn't it kind of typical that when we come to a problem, we forget all the things that God has done for us in the past? We forget how God has provided, how God has given, how God is carrying us through it all. Isn't it typical that when you're facing a difficulty, you think God's not going to help, and yet how often we see his help, how his promises have always been true? It's amazing how quickly people forget. That's human nature. What have you done for me lately? You know, children often forget their parents. I see it all the time over at the nursing home or our retirement centers. Bosses forget their employees. Happens every day. Spouses take advantage of each other and so forth. You're going to do things for people in life, and they're going to forget it, and you're going to be greatly disappointed. You see, oftentimes service is followed by forgetfulness. And then lastly, let me tell you another principle here is shortages are often followed by fullness. Now here in the scripture down in verse 27, it says, Then they came to Elim, here Elam, where there were 12 springs. The Bible goes on to say there were 70 palm trees and they camped there near the water. Now 12 springs and 70 palm uh, trees, this is Palm Springs. I mean, right out in the middle of the desert. This is an oasis. This is an incredible utopia here for these people. The Sinai, as you know, is miles of desert, absolutely nothing there. And yet it says here in the scripture, then they came to Elam, and there were plenty of water, and there was some shade here where they could find some rest from the, shade, from the sun, and these palm trees there. Uh, there were probably plenty of things to eat with dates and so forth. And in the Sinai, this is a paradise, an oasis with all the water. The question is, is how far is this Elam from Myra? And you know what? If you get your map out and you look at it, it's only about five miles or less. It's not a long track at all. Remember here, they had come from the Red Sea, and just three days later, they're complaining about the bitterness that they have been facing here without water, and God gives them a solution, and he says, then they came to Elam, and where there was plenty of water, and you see what? They just stopped too soon. They just threw in the towel too early. 
You know, there was an article here uh, several years ago about a 747 that crashed down in the Andes. You remember that? That story and the horrible things the people did. It was kind of awful reading the story, how the people began to cannibalize. There was no food. They didn't know what to do. And as people died, they began to eat, eat one another, terrible things. But when the rescuers finally got there and rescued the people, they were astonished to find the crash happened less than six miles from a resort. I mean, they had been there about 91 days. They simply got stuck. And they stayed there rather than pushing ahead. Ellen, I've got to tell you today, is just around the corner. There's a surplus of water that lies just ahead. And yes, there may be complaining, and we may be ready to give up, but the lesson is simple. We oftentimes throw in the towel far too early, and we give up. So I say to you, don't quit, but hang on and move forward. The answer is often just a few miles away. And how do you get from that mire at Ellen? How do you get from that place of disappointment to the great place of delight? How do you move from that place of pain to this incredible moment of paradise? The answer is you just keep on moving ahead. That's what these people did. Notice it says, then they came to Elam. It doesn't say that God brought them there, but they had uh, been out there, and they just continued to move forward. They had to reach it by keeping on, and spite of all their feelings, in spite of all that was weighing them out. You know, sometimes someone will say, I'm just too tired. I'm just too tired. I don't want to serve on this committee anymore. I'm just too tired. I don't want to read the Bible anymore. I'm just too tired from everything going on in life, and I think I'll take this time off or whatever it is. Can you imagine calling your boss in the morning and saying, you know, boss, I'm just too tired today, and I'm just not feeling good, and I don't want to be seen as a hypocrite, so I'm just not going to come in today, and I'm just going to sit home and watch HBO and eat a bag of chips. Now, that wouldn't go over too well, would it? Most of the things in life, I remind you, are really done by people who don't feel like doing them. And that's a mark of maturity. People who live by their feelings oftentimes are really immature. And God wants you to learn to live by commitment. I mean, I got to tell you, there's a lot of times where I don't feel like coming to church every morning. I, I'm human. And I see people out on the golf course as I'm driving here. And, you know, I didn't get a good night's rest. And I want to roll over in bed and just kind of bring the covers up and just uh, you tell everybody, you know, I'm going to sit home and watch TV and eat a bag of chips today. But you know what? Your feelings sometimes really doesn't matter because you have to keep the things that you're committed to. And I'm committed to God. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to spiritual growth. I'm devoted to helping people face the same kinds of problems that I'm facing in life. And God wants you to work, uh, allow him to work in your life if you'll let him, to face those feelings, to confront those fears, to look at yourself in the mirror, and even though maybe you don't feel so well that day, to keep following the Lord and to keep moving forward. Because I got to tell you, the oasis is just ahead. The Lord will provide. Now, think what a wonderful sight a grove of palms must have been to these weary, thirsty souls that were traveling in the desert. Every year when I'm headed to the beach, I tell you, it's a long 10 or 12 hour drive depending on which way you go. And you know, you're just ready to kind of give up and find a hotel. And then just then there's these palm trees and it gives you another breath of wind to go ahead and get there. And these trees here not only mean shelter from the blistering sun, but it went water to quench their thirst. 
and the palms here grow where there's water, you know, and thus the tree is never without its testimony. And you know, the great thing here uh, is that we know these palms never stop bearing fruit even when they grow old. Even the Bible says here, Psalm 92 and verse 14, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. So here's a theological truth that I want to give to you today, that when you are out in the wilderness of life, when you've reached those bumps in the road that have knocked you to the side and you feel like you're in the gutter, you feel like you're chained, you're full of disappointment and you're thirsty, try to recognize the loving presence of God and remind yourself that you are a child of God. How is your contentment gauge here today? Are you running with a full tank or are you running on empty? I want to challenge you today to run to Jesus and find relief in him. Shall we pray together? God, we thank you for these wonderful stories from your word. Story after story of how we find that you indeed were faithful. You indeed showed up. You indeed provided. You gave and directed. Ultimately, you were there. Help us, Lord, that even when those disappointments come into our life, when the problems rear their ugly head, when things develop that we didn't anticipate, oh, may we, oh God, trust in you. May we follow through all of the things of life that we faith with our hand in your hand, leaning upon you, appreciating and relishing in your amazing grace. We ask all this in the name of Christ, Jesus our Lord. Amen.